Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Let's kick this thing off right here and talk about what we're here to talk about as you guys come into the room. We're talking about how to research and close massive deals. So if you're aspiring to be enterprise rep, if you are an enterprise rep, this one is the one for you. And the man, the myth, the legend is with us. Welcome back to Sell Better, everybody. We bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better, plain, simple, easy. You're letting us know what you are in the chat. Uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about getting those accounts done that are giant. This man is unreal. He does it all. He prospects them. He discovers them. He organizes the deals. He multi-threads. And we're going to give you the goods on how he makes it done. Brandon Fluharty, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. Yes, this man is awesome. You guys are going to learn a lot today. Uh, before we get started, though, go ahead and scan this QR code on your screen. If you're looking to level up in 2023, we've got you covered. The Daily Sales Show, always at your disposal. You can always come in here daily and learn. We are daily. We are daily. We are daily. I said it three times. Y'all seem to forget that we're daily. So I'm just going to keep saying daily, and hopefully it'll sink in that we're daily. Big shout out to Vidyard, longtime partner at Sell Better, but also Outplay. These folks are new with us. And if you're not aware of this powerhouse, it is going down. So let me show you this because I think this is probably one of the coolest events that I have seen. Uh, I'm going to put this in the chat for you, but I'm also going to pull this over here so you can see it. Look at this lineup. Sam McKenna, Scott Lees, Kevin Dorsey, and John Barrows all coming at you. Four different sessions. Look at this lineup. This is amazing. Show me that you know me, Queen right? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, KD is one of the coolest speakers you'll ever see. And then Scott Lees, if you're a friend, fan of Thursday Night Sales, come see Scott talk more about the model selling, the addiction model of selling. I love that. We create sales addicts here every day. And then of course, you can always count on JB for some epic sales email content. So go ahead and sign up for that one right there. I couldn't resist putting that one in front of you so you guys could see the deets. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit about what you're going to get today. You're going to get some essential information that every enterprise deal needs. You're going to talk about where to find that information. We're going to talk about something that you can use to fuel that research engine that helps you to get to the multiple stakeholders. But first, we must set the table. So B, tell them everything that they need to know before we dive into this story about how you close this monster of a deal. Thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Th again, thanks for having me, James. You know, glad to see everybody here. This is a topic I love talking about. So I started my sales career like many, uh, happened into sales after failing to become a professional soccer player, started my first role in 2006 as a full cycle account manager before SDRs were even a thing, um, and then climbed the ranks from SMB to mid-market to enterprise to eventually finding my my real sweet spot in strategic accounts, uh, where we'll deconstruct a deal that uh, was one of my favorites uh, throughout my career. And uh, it was the most prolific period of my sales career uh, at an awesome company called Live Person in the conversational AI space. Uh, put me in a position to retire from the corporate world. Uh, did that last year. Uh, it's been almost a year and a half. And now I run a strategy design firm helping other strategic sellers reach the, the seven-figure earners club and uh, design a, a purposeful uh, way of operating so that you can turn their sales career into a fun game. Uh, one of the things that you said to me that stood out was that it you help people to accomplish this element where they get the chance to use things like design thinking yeah. and systems thinking. Uh, just real quick, give a little yeah. bit behind those two things and then we'll move forward with two approaches here. Yeah. So, you know, I happened into 
um, design thinking really through a, a lifelong journey. Um, I've always been in into things like Stoic philosophy, got into Buddhist uh, Buddhism and, and Buddhist philosophy earlier in, in life when I was living abroad trying to become a professional soccer player. And it just kind of la- naturally led me to this life of curiosity and uh, this concept of, hey, we get a lot of sales process, sales methodology thrown at us, right? Day in and day out. And a lot of it's 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 wonderful stuff, but it, it can be very distracting it, unless we elevate our thinking and, and we improve the way we operate or we work. And so focusing less on more of the sales skills, I wanted to sort of reverse engineer that. And a lot of that came from how do I just make it easier to allow my buyers to buy from me mm. and and that naturally led me to design thinking and then using systems to make that an easier process so it flipped um, a big paradigm for me which was instead of thinking like a seller i wanted to think like a human first mm. and and we know that you know putting our buyers at the heart of everything we do just naturally leads to outcomes and there's a way that you can use appropriate systems to design that experience and design thinking is just a, a philosophy that's been around for a long time. If you want a great resource, um, IDEO uh, is sort of the the leaders when it comes to design thinking, and it just puts the human at the center of everything to solve big challenges in the world. That's a great resource right there, and I know a lot of that sounds like platitudes. I want to talk directly to the account executives that came in here to figure out how to close those enterprise deals. These are not platitudes. We're going to give you some actual actions that you can take to back up what Brandon just said. A lot of times we hear these advice, these pieces of advice uh, that are platitudes. If anybody needs a definition, it's, you know, keep going, push forward, stay positive, right? They're helpful. They make us feel good, but they're not actionable. So this is why we're going to give you two strategies. One of them is centered on SDR and AE. If you're an SDR, enterprise SDR, put SDR in the chat. If you're an AE, SDR, AE, that's fine. But I want to talk to the SDRs real quick that are hunting these monsters. And I want Brandon to break that strategy down that we're going to give you right now. So this is the SDR approach, and then we'll move to the AE carryover. Go for it, buddy. Yeah. So um, just to, to be clear, where I was hyper successful in this strategic accounts role, it was with a you know conversational AI company. So we were targeting Fortune 500 level brands. And so we're talking B, I was a B to B to C seller. Yeah. So the the first starting point, again, when we're thinking about like design thinking and putting the human at the center of that, it was awesome to be targeting brands like Delta Airlines, United Healthcare, these really massive consumer brands uh, that affected millions of customers. We could be their customer first. So human first, seller second was a big principle. Another principle was let's know their customer experience better than anyone we talked to in the room. And so that allowed both our SDRs and me as a seller to uh, put ourselves in the shoes of the customer. So what I would do is meet once a week with our SDRs. And I I had uh, a few that were working on strategic accounts. We segmented off a few accounts that I called my diamond accounts because they were so precious to, to pursue. And those were ones that we wanted to get a little more specific about because I knew something about them already. Yep. yep. And and so that allowed us to to really get deep 
and know the customer experience. So we knew things about them. We could test out what it was like to interact on their website, interact with their their app, interact with them by calling them and ca- calling their support line because uh, that was a space that we knew we could improve. And we had those insights and we talked about those insights. That then reshaped how we could reach out to them with more compelling insights. We knew something about them. That's what we wanted to show. Hey, we're coming at this from not us as a seller. We're coming at this as your customers. Here's a few things that we think we would uh, can can really help with. Love to explore a conversation with you about that. You know, what I think is interesting here is that if you have the opportunity to become a customer of one of your prospects and come to them with insights of what that experience is, it might actually carry quite a bit more weight behind it because you're coming at them saying, I've been through this and imagine if all of your customers are going through this was very frustrating for me and here's why. But fortunately for you, I went through this because I solved for this problem and that's the reason I'm reaching out to you today. I think this is such a great contextual outreach for an enterprise that they, it's a, and I'm going to reference Sam McKenna here, it's a show me, you know me moment, right? You you get to go through their process so you get the right to have feedback. I want to point out a similarity here. There are resources placed in both of these. And I just want to talk about how this carryover, and notice how I refer to it as a carryover here, you remain a, a valued resource and SDR positions themselves as a resource, but yeah. then you have to remain a resource as the closing entity. Talk to me about the resources that you provided for your enterprise accounts, and then we'll move to a specific deal and some details around how you closed it. Yeah. So we would use resources, again, um, who, who we knew we should be speaking to is an important starting point. Sure. And, and what we'd observed at our organization were there were certain leaders um, that were starting to chart a different path. And for us in the conversational AI space, it was VPs or anybody in charge of contact centers. They had a, they had a playbook for about 30 plus years that hadn't changed. Um, they make you wait on holds. They, they might put web chat up. Um, they, they have self-service FAQs because the the big point of friction and the big problem was it's too expensive to have conversations at scale with their customers one-on-one. Too many of them. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the traditional playbook was make it harder for brands to have conversations with their customers and then outsource when there are conversations, outsource that talent to, you know, Philippines, India, where there might be language barriers and further present a, you know, a customer experience issue. So we flipped that on the head by observing our largest customers, right? Who were doing things differently. And what we observed from our largest customer was that they went all in on customer service. Mm. And they said, hey, we actually want to have engagements and conversations with our customers because that's good for business. And they went from first, uh, excuse me, worst to first in customer service uh, in their field, uh, the the telecom industry. And what that allowed them to do was have a profitable order uh, for like 14 quarters straight. And that was like a blueprint that we could go to, whether it was the SDR sort of initial outreach or me continuing the conversation with, with uh, you know, these executive prospects as the AE to tell that story. Instead mm-hmm. of focusing on features and how 
our chatbots were better or the Forrester leader, we could scrap that and zoom out to a very distinctive point of view on, hey, turn customer service as a leading way of improving your business. Here's how it can be done. So zooming out before we zoomed in was a, was a key element. So I, I, I like that you're placing that experience on value and revenue, right? The yeah. experience of the customer is what's going to drive additional revenue or improve the existing revenue situation that you currently have. So let's get specific. This is the account that we're referring yeah. to. Put a one in the chat if you're a Chipotle fan. Put a two in the chat if you're like, nah, it's not for me. Totally fine. You know, it's a it's a choice. It's an intensely personal choice. But talk to us about how you close these deals. And I love where it started when you were like, this is what they knew, but this, yeah. is, where, this is where they were, fell short. Yeah. So when you think about a Chipotle, not hard to be their customer, right? You know, <laughs> getting burritos every day and 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 going through the the experience in the store, on the yeah. app, on their website, on social media, very easy to be Chipotle's customer. So uh we were coming from that perspective, loved uh, you know, coming from that perspective. But Grant, the SDR, uh, he reached out to a VP there and uh he was able to set up a, a critical uh, meeting and he caught her as she was getting in her car driving to work and a week later set up a a call for me to do the discovery call and what i learned right we had already done our research we had already identified them as as a diamond account and i'll i'll share a little cheat sheet with with everybody of kind of how we did that but we identified hey i knew something about the restaurant technology industry um, they were on my list and I, I worked with Grant, the SDR, who was assigned to it. Hey, I think there's something different than our normal outreach sequences that we should be talking through that that might lead to getting a conversation and and her not hanging up the phone when you actually do get her on, on the phone. And, and we worked that well. And what I learned in the discovery call is I already had you know an informed opinion on where we could help. But I wanted to validate that and I wanted to have an exploratory, you know, discussion with with her on, hey, what what is it that that, that you're needing that that you know excited you for taking this call? And and so it was very clear that they needed chatbots and they wanted to improve customer service. But again, because we had our insights, we knew that there was a bigger opportunity to pursue. So that discovery call was successful, got further insights from their distinct point of view on, on how they were looking to solve you know, the customer experience challenges. But then I was able to now marry that with my own insights and point of view based on the research we had already done as customers. And then that led to me hopping on the plane, flying out to Newport uh, Beach, not again, bad place to be, beautiful office that, that, that they have. Um, they wanted to actually get down the business. So we had some technical resources, they had technical resources. And what that uh, you know, point of view allowed us to do is share our point of view on how we could solve a big problem. That was, I think, December of 2018. And then in January of 2019, after the, the holiday break, we went right into a design session. So Again, something that's that's not typically done at the enterprise or strategic account level. But what I wanted to do is, okay, they've heard from us. We have a, a, a point of view. I have heard from them. Now let's get into a design session and not a 
a, a sales process or even a buying process, let's go whiteboard this out. Let's think about the art of possible, not even the art of possible, the art of real. Yeah. So that's where we took their big point of view on them trying to design the restaurant of the future. We had our point of view on how we could support that through conversational AI. And then bringing that in the middle was what the design session allowed us to do. We, we zoomed out, thought really big. Then we could zoom in and say, okay, here are two big use cases that we could pursue that allowed us to uh, go after this. And because we, again, we had the person, um, this references uh, you know, a book that both you and I really enjoy, the challenger customer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the sequel to the challenger sale, um, we were able to identify a true mobilizer in this VP. And then we use that mobilizer to help multi-thread and pull in other people with inside their organization. Yeah. We're going to get to the multi-threading piece because you had some strategies around that, that I thought were really interesting. And you landed in a lot of places that I think maybe you didn't expect that you would land but yeah. we're able to add value to those. Uh, one of the things that you talked about was that you zeroed in on what mattered most to them. So I want you to talk about the mixing bowl of things that they put in front of you when yeah. you got to this point in the conversation, because we can't move forward with how our solutions or our services fit their most desired needs if we have no insights into what those needs are. And that has to come from them. So talk to me about how they broke down all these things. And how, and I, I use the mixing bowl, you know, because we're talking yeah, yeah. about layer. <laughs> That's right. Very apropos. So um, they were on a journey, um, you know, if, if you can remember Chipotle several years ago, there were big macro things happening. So uh, they're the previous CEO had vacated the, the role. They had some challenges around foodborne illnesses right in store. So they were very like conscious of that. Sure. Um, they were in reparation. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and then they were also really focused on sort of Chipotle, you know, a new initiative that at the time wasn't a thing, but now it's like everybody knows about it, Chipotle lanes, right? Where you can easily get your, your food. Um, digital boarding was, they were a leader in that and they wanted to continue to venture out far ahead of that. So we had all of these like discussion points and insights from them. And then we used the design session to say, okay, let's, let's figure that out. And, and we had four big buckets that, that we could, you know, define these in. So, and then we allowed ourselves as the leaders in conversational AI to say, okay, what if you could become a conversational business? And what it, our point of view around that was like, make it easier to communicate whoever you are, right? You've got customers, you've got leaders in the side of the organization, and you have like team members. How do you make all those points more conversational where you can just say, state your intent, and then like magic, you get it. Mm. So we had one bucket of, you know, between customers to order, right? Order burritos, make it easier that it doesn't just have to be on the website or in the app in a digital world. Could that happen over something like Facebook Messenger, um, over texting? And so we explored that, the consumer and ordering. Then we had conversational support. How do I get care, right? They had an archaic you know, process before where it was 
and I'm, you know, this is public information. I'm, you know, they're a public account, so I'm not sharing anything proprietary here. But they had a, if you had an issue, you had to email their support team in Columbus. And what they would do is email, excuse me, physically mail you a $15 gift card. Talk about costly, right? It, could there be a better way that you could communicate, hey, I had an issue with my order or I had an issue in in a store? How could that be an easier thing, like just message off the the Chipotle and maybe that's a really cool automated experience. Uh, we created Pepper the Bot. They created Pepper the Bot. We just gave them a platform to do it and be able to make that a less costly thing, but still deliver a great customer experience. So conversational support. Then we had the conversational workforce. Um, things like, um, hey, I'm feeling sick. Their average tenure, I think, was like 22 uh, for team members. So, hey, are you sick because maybe you were out partying too late last night? Or are you genuinely sick where we don't want you coming in and potentially spreading foodborne you know, or illnesses, right? Because we've, we've had big issues with that. Could we create like a nurse bot, right, where you could triage, they could send a WhatsApp or a text message, right? And say, hey, I know I'm sick. And what we found is like our research was telling us, hey, people will be more likely, especially young people, will be more likely to tell the truth to a bot than they would their own manager. So the conversational workforce, and then we did some cool things around conversational marketing. So we had these four big buckets. We zoomed out at that level, used the design session to talk about solving those problems. And then ultimately we leaned in on, okay, if we were to get this enabled, looking at like over the next three to five years to become helping Chipotle become fully conversational, where should we start? That gives us the biggest bang for the buck. And so we started with the conversational uh, consumer commerce and the uh, conversational support. And we built our plan around that. It seems like a lot of pieces of the puzzle coming together. This is like the Voltron of a deal, right? All these different departments coming together with different agendas, different concerns, but you are the glue holding them all together. That's going to get them to the future state that they desire. Now you've got some resources here that I want to make sure that we get the time to share. Uh, I'm going to give this list to everybody right here. It's the diamond standard cheat sheet that Brandon's about to show you. And then the Ikigai strategy, he's going to break that down for you. And then how insights work from you. So I'm going to stop sharing. Brandon, a couple of minutes, share this insight, share what you got. Uh, let everybody see it for what it really is. And yeah, gonna sure. As this resource. So don't stress. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'll share my screen here. I'm actually going to go here to uh, the Ikigai thing first, because I actually started with that. And it, it, it allowed me to actually put Chipotle in focus as my diamond account. And I break this down into an asset that uh, anybody can uh, you know, uh, purchase from, from me, uh, seven steps to seven figures. I kind of break down the seven steps that I went through and the systems I use to get it to selling seven figure deals and, and earning uh, seven figures. In step two, it was more clearly defining accounts that had meaning to me. Um, and real quick, the, the the preface here was, I was coming off of an MVP year in 2018, um, sold some really large accounts, but my manager sat down with me and gave me some big truth serum, which is, Brandon, you're great in front of accounts that you obviously know a lot about and you are a customer of, but accounts where uh, that doesn't happen, it I can feel it in the room. The energy is different. 
And so that allowed me to then, again, put my design thinking hat on and come up with this. And I was attracted to this concept of Ikigai at the time. Um, and many people maybe have seen this floating around the, the internet. Ikigai is a Japanese concept that's been around for a long time that essentially means reason for being. What do you love? What does the world need? What could you be paid to do? What are you good at? And so I did a similar uh, exercise, which was define criteria that was more meaningful to me. And I would have a diamond in the middle where all these, uh, it's, you know, uh, criteria would start to meet. And so I would list that out. I would define, okay, this is what criteria one, two, and three means. Because if I were to share this with my, my leaders, they would understand where I'm coming from of why I'm managing my accounts like the business owner. And these were the strategic decisions I was going to be making too. And by the way, after going through this exercise, um, one of them was moving fast. And I got rid of two of the world's largest brands, uh, Walmart, the world's largest company, <laughs> Fortune 1, and Apple, Fortune, I think, 3. Um, I moved those off my list because I knew I wasn't going to be sitting down with Tim Cook anytime soon talking about the conversational AI strategy for Apple. So um, I moved uh, a lot of big things off my account that most enterprise AEs would be like, you are crazy. Why would you turn down Walmart uh, or Apple? And I just knew they didn't fit into my criteria because I needed to move fast. And so again, I plotted out my accounts based on that. And then I focused on those diamond accounts and I had like a top ranking. And that's what I focused on. And then that allowed me to create something like this, where we could create based off of the, the buying process and the sales process, um, what can we do across each of these categories to elevate uh, a better buying experience? And so that allowed us to you know, go through things like, here are the key tasks that we need to complete, treat it like a checklist, but in a more purposeful, intentional way. We could use tools like DataFox or go to onholdwith.com or gethuman.com and figure out, are people complaining about, about this brand on Twitter or social media? And then can we use that as an insight to inform a strategy of one, how to approach them in the first place, or when we do engage with them, what's a good starting point to either zoom out on or uh, focus on. So that was our guide and then allowed us to have all these uh, checkpoints and a checklist so we could calmly navigate you know, what's typically very complex in strategic and enterprise selling. We made it that, that it could be uh, you know, more impactful and allowed us and guide the, 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 the mobilizer and the, the, the buying team on doing it faster than than normal it doesn't the enterprise strategic account doesn't need to take 12 18 24 months to close we can do it quicker if we're doing the right things at the right time i i think we get frustrated when we talk about enterprise accounts for that reason there's this assumption yeah. in the space that oh i'm enterprise right and it's true it's very very different sure. but it's it's different in the sense that there are more stakeholders, more agendas, more departments that get involved. And I, you know, circling back to that comment that you made, you know, you ended up in the support world 
inadvertently because yeah. you wanted to find what that customer service experience was like because that was a major priority for them was improving the customer service what happened when you landed in that realm did you uh, yeah. immediately start talking to them about those things and say here are these resources which one did they go with did they implement one yeah so they they went with both the sales and the supports they didn't uh focus on the marketing yet they they found um that that was insightful, but we put that on our, our roadmap that, hey, the, the sales initiative and the support initiative allowed us and, and allowed their team to move into that eventually, something that they wanted to do. Sure. And so something really important too, that you know kind of goes back to that diamond hunter framework that, that I created using design thinking is again, knowing that I wanted to focus more on quick service restaurants in the fast casual space, because it was again, an area that I had domain expertise on. And so that again, allowed me to not just move super large organizations on the fortune 500 list off my list, because I knew inherently there would be tons of walls, a lot of mid management conversations, yeah, but also getting into a space that I knew they were lean and, uh, you know, knowing the space in fast, casual, quick service restaurants, I know that a VP at an organization like that has the ear of the CEO and also can make decisions quickly. So again, part of winning on the, the back end is setting yourself up for success, being very purposeful on the front end. And so that's what this design thinking exercise allowed me to do. And then we, we obviously validated that once we were in, because within seven months, we were closing a, a $10 million deal. Well, you brought up a book and we'll talk about that book here in a bit, but I, I do want to ask the audience here what resources they're currently leveraging to improve their enterprise skills. And let us know in the chat, there's an emoji button down on the right there. Let us know how useful is this? Is it fire? Is it thumbs down? What do you guys, is this useful for you guys? Uh, so one of the things I'm picking up on is that you took a lot of steps. You did a lot of research. You found a lot of things that you could use that you knew were priorities for them because now you were dialed into what their brains were thinking was the mm -hmm. priority. Uh, but there's probably some new enterprise reps in here that are like, okay, this is different. I've done SMB. I've done mid-market. Should I be concerned that it sounds like one deal is going to take up a lot of my time and I'm going to lose out on other deals that potentially could have moved faster? Yeah. Uh, well, the short answer is um, there's always that risk, but I think it's more of a perceived risk than an actual risk. Okay. So when when we, the best way to 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 think about this is you are a CEO of your account list, your business owner of your territory. So if you think of yourself more like a startup founder, right? And your employer is more like a venture capital firm that says, hey, we have invested in you for a reason. Here's your technology. Here's your healthcare resources. Here's some capital to run your business, right? Now it's up to you to fight the urge of noise and distractions and anxiety and stress and this perpetual voice, right? That's typically not our own spinning around in our head. How do you calm that? And, and so that becomes becoming more purposeful again. And this is where 
creating systems and using things like design thinking takes a lot of that off the plate for you because it ultimately comes down to making correct decisions. And are those decisions based off of tribal knowledge you picked up from a sales manager who was happened to be a successful uh, AE, you know, 18 months prior, or is it baked in, you know, a universal framework that could help the likes of Jeff Bezos, right? Scale Amazon or whatever, you know, uh, Walt Disney becoming the, one of the most loved brands in the world. Can you use those thinking and principles and universal frameworks to help you to make decisions? Because ultimately we have a battle, finite resources of time, energy, and attention. Mm. And if you can elevate your thinking and improve your operations or how you work, that allows you to get into the, 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 the high performance zone where you can actually apply, you know, some of these sales tactics and tips and methodologies. But without improved thinking, we're just being constantly whipped around based off of other people's agendas and needs. But if you can get more deliberate and focus in on things that have meaning to you, um, and I proved this out, Chipotle was seven months deal. I was able to close the deal with Delta Airlines, another public one that I talk about a lot within nine months, again, being their customer, coming up the angle, hey, I'm on your plane every single week. So I was able to apply this as a repeatable model and I didn't need my 50 accounts, right? I was hired as an activity-based seller. I was sold, I was told to sell $250,000 and I know that sounds like a lot, but in you know Fortune 500 level brands, that's not much. I was sold I was, I was told to sell starter packages and the entry point was $250,000 uh, uh, investment. I thought to myself, wait a minute. And I was a net new logo hunter. Uh, so only net new business. I thought to myself, it's going to take nine months to just sell a $250,000 package anyways. Why, instead of keeping our company in a small box, solving $250,000 problems, I want to solve $25 million problems. And ironically, what that does is it removes the competition because oh. you elevate yourself above mid-management and you get to the executive level because you're talking about and you have the confidence and you have the backing and the insights to go talk to executives to solve those $25 million problems. And ironically, it moves faster through the sales cycle and I would say less risky than trying to fish at the pier where it's really crowded, go into the deep blue sea where the whales are. Uh, I love that fishing reference. It is crowded and it's hard to break through the noise of having an activity, an activity and metric based approach. Uh, we're never going to get there though, regardless. You are never going to get there without multi-threading and you can't, you cannot have an enterprise uh, show a topic without talking about multi-threading and you had a couple of good strategies uh one of them you've kind of alluded to so let's start on yeah. the far right here with choosing the right account uh leaner accounts move faster that's what you learned yeah. talk to us about that yeah so again knowing you know where i had domain expertise right and then i could parlay that into what i was selling now conversational ai i was selling point of soft point of sale software for you know, multi-unit restaurants in the past, how do I parlay that into 
a, a new piece of software, right? That's a common scenario. A lot of AE space, they'll they're they're still selling SaaS, but they might be a completely different industry. So going through that exercise of sort of pinpointing, hey, I have domain expertise here. I know what's important for me. I also know what's important for the business moving fast. How do I bring all those things together? And then do I have a picture, right? To make good strategic decisions with my account list. Again, going back to this idea of treating yourself like a business owner, a CEO of your account list. That's the epitome of, of, of doing it. I talk with a lot of sellers who um, go, you know, operate very proactively uh, or excuse me, not proactively, the opposite, reactively through their account list and they're, yeah. they're waiting for things. My advice to anybody, um, especially when you're making that transition from, you know, selling in one industry to another, the, the, the best way to accelerate that impact that you can make is be proactive, um, take ownership of your account list, be deliberate and purposeful about why you're targeting who you say yes to, more importantly, who you say no to. Yeah. Because once you're established, it's the no's uh, uh, that become more important than what you say yes to. Uh, you know, we often blow past those no's and we think, oh, it's okay, right? Like it's, it's sometimes it's okay and you can come back to it, but those no's are important because those are markers for learning. Uh, oddly, and I'm very pleased to see this, webinars and shows are the way that most of you are learning. I cannot tell you how happy that makes me since we have a daily show about sales. Uh, that's great stuff. Um, let's answer a couple of questions. Get your questions about your own enterprise accounts into the Q&A now because I'm going to start asking them for uh, Brandon here. So this one comes from Ryan. What roles in businesses were you targeting with those metrics you mentioned earlier? Uh, yeah. How do you go upstream to ELT? Uh, you know, yeah. feel free to let everybody in the chat know what ELT is. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah call it what it is. Yeah, ELT Enterprise uh, Leadership Team, right? And so they're they're the folks usually pulling the purse strings and saying yes to big initiatives, right? And and that's you know, a, a key audience to get attention with. And and so again, if I deconstruct this Chipotle deal, which again was repeatable in other, not just in the fast casual industry, we we, we did it twice with uh, Delta and then another air, major four global airline, right? In a, in a relatively short period of time. So this was a repeatable model. And what I, I, again, try to get really good at is be their customer first. Mm. Um, and then I understood who is best suited at a high level inside their organization to leave a legacy, right? That allowed us to make strategic uh, decisions on our diamond accounts of looking at people, because this was applicable to our, our world. We could definitely talk with CMOs. We could definitely talk with IT leaders, CIOs. And and market you know sales and 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 marketing and so forth, but we beachhead into customer support and contact center leaders because we had a blueprint of giving them something a different way to operate, and so we sold them the blueprint, not our technology. Our technology came along for the ride. We sold them a different way to think about their business that will then open up further doors that they could be 
um, an evangelizer of inside their organization to go to their C-suite and say, listen, if we do these things, there is a there's a high probability, right, that we can um, re-energize marketing and talk to our sales team in different ways because we're learning from this new way of doing customer support. So we would really try to latch on and use our mobilizer that was proven as a repeatable thing. And then we used our mobilizer to get us into, after we built that credibility, into higher levels inside the organization because they wanted to. We showed them that that was beneficial to them to do so. Yeah. I, I like the mobilizer piece and that's what I will recommend is the challenger sale and the challenger yeah. customer. And you use that mobilizer so well in your Chipotle deal and you just kept arming them and kept enabling them. I want to give you the chance to give everybody a final thought about enterprise deals. I'm going to reach out to everybody individually with some uh, answers to your questions this time around. I appreciate everybody asking them. So look for my emails. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the final thought, I always want to get people leaving this with an action that they can start doing to improve their enter their enterprise sales. So go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about very specific sales motions and tactics. And then, again, I think these are things that you can start today. Start putting a filter against your account lists. You know, is there criteria that's more meaningful to you? And maybe it helps you to look at a few of your accounts in a much more um, deliberate and purposeful way. But before you even do that, I think an important concept that we need to think about is taking some time away to work on your business instead of in your business. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of sellers are getting burned out. I did a poll on this recently. Almost half of sellers are, are stressed and anxious right now. There's a lot of macro events happening, right? to alleviate some of that carve out specific times on your calendar on a micro level daily it should be smaller on a weekly a little bit larger on a monthly and quarterly and so forth carve out three hours right and become more of a strategic thinker on your business if you do just that one thing come off of here carve out three hours every month put it on your calendar carve out an hour every week carve out 25 minutes a half hour every day put those on your calendar and commit to it and do that every day every week every month trust me good things start to happen i am a you know a, a prime example of that no college degree i was consulting to fortune 500 level brands i didn't work at accenture mckenzie i didn't have that background i suffered from imposter syndrome i suffered from depression anxiety, so I'm an introvert, social anxiety, getting in a room with 30 level executives. I had to work hard on that. I was purposeful about working through it, maintain long-term thinking, put those moments on your calendar to be more thoughtful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And on the other end of that, your sales will lead to an amazing life. Well, I can't, I can't end it on a higher note than that. Work 
on your business, not in your business. I absolutely love that. I want to invite you guys to connect with us on social so you can get all the greats coming at you every single day right now. Sellbetter.xyz. You can go connect with us anywhere. Follow me in person at Say What Sales. I've never met a stranger in my life, just a friend that I haven't met yet. So I will talk to anybody that comes my way as long as what you have to say is meaningful. Be sure and talk to us anytime you see something that you think that you could benefit from. We want to hear from you. Thanks again for spending in your afternoon with us and we will see you tomorrow have a great day everybody sell better because you deserve to